This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. One awesome voice, Sean Michelle with Mississippi Mud. I'm Dave Hawkins, and this is The Antidote, where we explore the art of musicians who share a Christian worldview. Now, there's no question that Sean Michelle always expresses his Christian faith, but his Delta Blues-infused rock isn't the typical musical style for a faith-based artist. This past participant on American Idol has been in the music scene for years, and Sean met with The Antidote over a couple of nights to talk about his music. The conversation was great, and the music is even better. So this is the first of a two-part feature on Sean Michel. From his 2010 album, I Know I've Been Converted, 
comes God's Gonna Cut You Down in Joy. You can run on for a long time. You can run on for a long time. You can run on for a long time. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. Oh, Lord, Lord. So here we go. Say, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with that midnight dew. Cause I've been down on bending knee. Talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me with a bus so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels' feet. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, Sure, and go do my will. So go tell that long tongue liar. Go and tell the midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut them down. Tell him that God's gonna cut them down. down, down, down. Oh, Lord. You may throw your rock and hide your head Working in the dark against your fellow man But as sure as God made black and white What's done in the dark will be brought to the light So you can run on for a long time Run on for such a long time You can run on for a long time Sooner or later God will cut you down Sooner or later God will cut you down Tell the rambler, the gambler, the, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut them down Tell him that God's gonna cut them down The man himself, Sean Michelle, is here with The Antidote. Sean, it's great to have you with us. I appreciate you having me, man. It's fun. Your Facebook site describes your music as truth, soul, and rock and roll. Care to expand upon that? Uh... Yeah, man. Um, that's kind of a little catchphrase me and my boys came up with a while back. And, um, you know, we were trying to sum up in a real simple way, like what drives what we do. And as far as uh, music, but not just our music, man, but uh, about our life, too. And um, I think the music and a person's life needs to tie in really closely together. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that's what makes it more real to the audience and to the listener. And I think, you know, not just nowadays, but, but ever since the beginning of time, I mean, people can smell from a mile away when somebody's being fake, you know? And so our biggest concern is just being real with one another and being real with, with God, honestly, and, and being real with ourselves. That way it makes it easier. I feel like to be real with the audience. And so we try to portray that in everything we do with the truth, you know, and, and with soul, you know, actually I was born in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, on, on the mouth of the Mississippi. And uh, so, you know, I mean, down there, the culture is just very different than a lot of other places in the, in the U.S. And the, I mean, the people there and the culture is just so uh, real and just welcoming as well. You know, like the people down there, I mean, people in New Orleans are known to be pretty crazy. And uh but it's a good crazy, you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, they're not afraid to express who they really are. And so that's always been a part of my life and my family as well, my growing up. And and I guess that's the reason why I connect with a lot of music that's like that, you know, just soul and, and passion and, you know, rock and roll. Because, uh, you know, all those elements kind of blend in together, you know, as far as 
you know, rock and roll essentially being rooted within the blues and blues essentially being rooted within the gospel. Uh, but that's, that's who we try to be, man, true soul and rock and roll uh, all the time, every time on stage or anytime we're in a studio uh, laying down songs and, and writing songs. We try to keep those three elements within everything we do. admit that blending your sort of retro rock and blues doesn't really fit with the mainstream <laughs> uh well is, I mean, is, which, that, which, is that harsh uh no no i mean well it depends on which mainstream we're talking about i mean if you look at the grammys a couple of years ago it's funny to me man like i don't understand people's uh marketing approaches when it comes to music uh because you know a couple of years ago in the grammys most of the main acts throughout the whole program were, uh, you know, like Jack White or the Black Keys or, you know, Alabama Shakes, the chick from, from that band was performing. And you just had all this like very roots, uh, whether it was either Americana or 
just straight rock and roll or very heavily blues influenced rock and roll. And it seems to be like that has caught on quite a bit in the last few years and it's become very popular, but for some reason it's still not completely mainstream. It's winning a lot of awards and stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, as far as like within just regular, you know, radio, I feel like has been given a lot more uh, respect now within like any kind of market that might call itself like Christian or something like that. Like, no, it's not even close, but that, that whole market is, I think 20 years behind the times, honestly. And it's kind of always been like that, which is pretty sad, but, but yeah, I guess it's not exactly the most mainstream market for sure. Does that ever make you feel like you're a man out of place and time? Yeah, yeah, sometimes it does. But honestly, I mean, even though sometimes I, I feel kind of out of place with what we do, you know, uh, I guess ACDC said best, you know, rock and roll is never going to die. And so you kind of always count on the fact that it's always going to kind of circle around back to rock and roll. And, you know, some some artists, they'll be doing their, their work and, and playing shows and, you know, making albums for years and they don't ever get any kind of like real recognition until like much later. And people are like, man, this dude's amazing. It's like, well, this dude has been amazing for 40 years and you never <laughs> saw him. And, and that 40 years just made him even that much better on the tail end because they've been through so much and, and fought so much, you know, and that, that shows in their music. Uh, we always compare what we do to, to slow cooked barbecue. And man, there's just something about you know, things in life when they're slow cooked, when they're done right, it, it always comes out tasting the best. So I don't know, maybe our music's a little bit like slow cooked barbecue. It's true. Cause I mean, some artists as the age, you know, sometimes even do better. I, well, we play Mavis Staples on this yeah. show. And I mean, and yeah. she's just dynamic. Just got a phenomenal voice and she's what mid seventies now. Yeah, she's about 76. I, I saw her a couple times. Well, two, the past two years, I saw her. The last time I saw her was actually uh, a year ago. And, uh, man, she was 76, and she came out there on a cane, and she was kind of wincing a little bit. You know, you could tell she was in some pain. And, you know, but she, she put the cane down, and she performed, man. I mean, she killed it, and she never sat down except for, you know, when the band did their solo stuff. And... uh she had a knee replacement surgery six weeks prior to that show. And she just did a whole show on a, a knee that had just been like through a major surgery. And she brought the house down, man. And, and watching that, I was just like, I have no excuse ever uh, before a show to be like, oh, I can't perform. Or, I mean, it was just beautiful. Crashing down at once mm-hmm. Everything I had Disappeared at once Sometimes those are the best times You realize all you need is love Left crying, crying out in the rain. 
you're talking about some of the people that you know you're impressed by now some of the seniors that are in the field who inspired you in your younger years (laughs) well in my younger years it was kind of sad i I was inspired by like boys to men um and like (laughs) oh you're gonna admit that well yeah yeah i'm not too afraid to admit it i was born in 79 man i grew up in the 80s and okay there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot in the 80s man to really be pulling from i guess and if it was you just didn't hear that much of it depending on what circles you ran into you know and, um i grew up in a musical family but it was all kept in the closet kind of deal um like my parents were both in, in high school band and stuff and but i mean as soon as they graduated they put their instruments away and never touched them again and they never really instilled music in me at all. So it kind of had to come to me from different sources. And uh, I actually have a great uncle who is a pretty well-known uh, jazz clarinet player. He played with Al Hurt for like years. And uh, he was Al Hurt's right-hand man, you know. And he died when I was about five or six years old. I mean, I knew a little bit about him, but I never, you know, that was never brought up to me or I didn't hear very many stories about him at all until much later. Um, so, yeah, my influences were real narrow at first, but it was it was always black American music. That's what really heavily influenced me. And, you know, to me, that's what I really connected with musically and not just, I mean, just everything inside, inwardly. I connected with uh, black American music, whether it was like soul or R&B or, uh, you know, I didn't hear a whole lot of blues when I was little, but that's what I connected with. And so that's what I tried to emulate and imitate as well whenever I would sing as a kid. And I guess to make our listeners aware is that, yeah, you're not black. You are white. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm white in skin, but uh, I think there's an old black lady inside of me trying to trying to get out every time when I, <laughs> when I play. So, uh, yeah, I have a tendency to shake my hips a little too much and, you know, do the whole Elvis pelvis thing when I'm playing. But uh, that's just 
again, like I said, I mean, that's just all taken from what I've felt inside since I was a kid, you know. I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, you know, I was like five or six years old, and I'd go to these uh, these little pizza joints. They'd be showing videos of Michael Jackson and stuff, and people are sitting down eating, and I'd go dance from table to table and, and do the moonwalk and do the centipede and stuff and break dance. And, you know, I was always, you know, singing and dancing and just performing in front of people, you know. And now it just carries on later on in life. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more controlled, I guess, in a sense. Uh, you mean no more moonwalk? Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll pull out a little moonwalk move while I'm playing my guitar. So I figure if I can mesh moonwalking like Michael Jackson while playing guitar like Buddy Guy or Jimi Hendrix, which I'll never touch those dudes, but if I could blend those two elements together... And plus sing like Mavis Staples, I think I think I'll be in a good place. Come on. 
Yeah, this is Sean Michelle, and you're checking out The Antidote on Trent Radio. I don't care what you heard, I don't care what you saw I'm gonna bet down, baby, here in Arkansas You might think you're better if you don't talk with a draw But I love living here in Arkansas City Crescent City moved up slow on the Mississippi. I, I settled as a boy down in Baton Rouge. That's where I learned to sing the rhythm and blues. Say. Now, I hear a lot about God's only son. Most times I did, I just turn and run till I moved up to Little Rock a few years later. Now, that's where I came to know Christ is my savior, y'all. Get around to your music because getting the music of Sean Michelle is not the easiest thing because you often release only on cassette or vinyl. But why choose vinyl over digital? Well, I guess in 2011 we released a record called uh, Back to the Delta and we only released that record on cassette tape and vinyl. But there was a special reason behind that. You know, the cassette tapes and the vinyls both had digital download cards with them, but um, so you could put them on your, you know, your iPod or whatever. Uh, but the reason we released it only in those mediums and we, and we didn't release it on iTunes or anything like that was because uh, that was a special project for us. We were trying to get back in touch with the Roots music that inspired us so much in the beginning. And uh, we had kind of been losing our way as a band and 
and just I was I was kind of just spastic all over the map as far as music was concerned and my good friend Jay uh who happens to be my manager was trying to help me refocus and, and get back to the roots and so what we did was we found a hundred year old church in Rolling Fork Mississippi which is the same town Muddy Waters is born in it's right there smack dab in the middle of the delta and uh this church was kind enough to uh, let us come in and use their old sanctuary, which was like there was no pews in there. It was just hard wooden floors and high vaulted ceilings. And we wanted to write songs and record songs in the way that a lot of the artists that we were inspired by. So we wrote everything on that record, stripped down on a, on a steel resonator that I had at my house uh, with slide and did this old school Delta kind of feel. And I based everything on that album off of an album named Amazing Grace by Mississippi Fred McDowell. It's just him on a guitar singing with one other uh, male vocalist and then three uh, female vocalists. And so when you hear our Back to the Delta record, I got four background singers. I got one male, three female that I was friends with that were really good. And, uh, you know, everything was done acoustically, whether it was stomping on the floor, clapping our hands or hitting a snare drum or and so we hired a guy from Nashville, Tennessee, who would take all tape gear to remote locations and record. And so we did everything live to tape on that album. So everything you hear on that album from start to finish was mixed live to tape. It wasn't just recorded live to tape at the same time. It was mixed, which means there was no changing of anything. We didn't go back in a studio and do post-production work or or recut in a vocal here or add in a guitar part here. Everything you hear on that record happened at that moment, at that time, which is how all those old recordings were done. And so we wanted to feel what that was like ourselves, doing it ourselves, putting ourselves in those people's shoes, putting ourselves in those people's surroundings um, where, the, where they grew up and lived and where they suffered and wrote all these songs. And that's what we did. And so we only wanted to release it within that medium of analog recording. So that's why we did what we did there. That's a tough process to do, though. You really don't have second chances. Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's some of the stuff we wrote at the church while we were recording it. And I'd have to go in and rehearse it with the singers, rehearse it with everybody a couple times, two, three times. And while we were rehearsing, the engineer we used, his name's Chris Mara, and uh, he runs a studio in Nashville called Welcome to 1979. It's an all-analog-based studio. And, uh, you know, as we were rehearsing it, he would get a feel for how the song was going to sound and what we were going to do and what I was going to do vocally or whatever. He would adjust on the fly. Once we do the final take, he would mix, you know, on the fly like that, which there's not a whole lot of people that do that anymore. And so, yeah, everything was real, uh, you know, off the cuff. And it allowed for you to have mistakes within the song. And sometimes mistakes are some of the greatest character marks of a song, you know, and it becomes a part of the experience. All right now. Oh, he is the one. Can't nothing be undone. 
the one and next up death knocking both from back to the delta by sean michelle i hear dead knocking at my door i hear dead knocking at my door i hear dead knocking and he will not go away Sitting around here no more I hear wrath calling out my name I hear wrath calling out my name I hear wrath calling, pointing that finger in my face Telling me that I'm the one to blame She's feeling 
might see me here again Soon you'll see me here again Soon you'll see me here again about back to the delta the main reason we record it to analog and then never really released it on itunes or anything is because we wanted people to have the album experience like you had to listen to side a and then you had to listen to side b and we put the record together that way specifically and the crazy thing was was we didn't realize it until we were about to go record the album or actually after we recorded the album basically we'd written all these songs acoustically and um, we were trying to make it feel old school, have that old school Delta gospel blues uh, vibe. You know, I've just been writing these songs kind of randomly. And then I was going to put a cover of When the Saints Go Marching In on it because I'm from New Orleans originally. Uh, I have a, a good friend who asked me to play a show and he wanted me to cover that song. And I was like, all right, I'll try to do a cover for it. And I did one that was like the Dixieland jazz style. And I liked it. I liked what we came up with. Well, when we were about to go record, my manager, he was like, I want you to do a broken down, mournful version of that song. And I was like, what? First of all, I've never heard that done. And second of all, I don't think that song was meant to be like that. And then he fired back YouTube videos and, and some history on the song. And come to find out, uh, Bruce Springsteen had a really slowed down, mournful version of the song. And uh, it was originally written as a funeral dirge, as the hymn, you know. And so a lot of times in New Orleans, I found this out through a little bit of research, but in New Orleans, when they have these funerals, and they would sing when the saints go marching in mournfully to the grave as a funeral dirge, when they would lower the casket and do the service, then afterwards, when they would return back to their homes, they would do the Dixieland jazz style, which was the upbeat version. And it was to symbolize the walk to death and then the, the victorious resurrection march and so the crazy thing was when i found that out i started looking at all the songs that we had written and i was like you got to be kidding me man and it was one of those like god things just kind of was like here you go i gave this to you all the songs we had written we had five that had this funeral dirge feel that was all about death all about losing something all about mourning and then we had these five songs that were victorious and about resurrection and they were upbeat and we were just like dude we got to do it this way so we book into the album first song and the last song with the two different versions 
the death and the resurrection of when the saints go marching in. And side A is the walk to the grave. And then side B, when you flip it over and listen to it, is the resurrection victory march out of the grave. So that's why we put those songs together in that order. That's cool. What a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sell records, but it's a fun idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You're taking artistic liberties. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens when when you're independent and you don't have a record label. When you say Go marching in When your saints go marching in Dear I want to be in that number When your saints go When your last, last trumpet sounds When your last trumpet sounds Please, I want to be in that number Some say this world of trouble mm, is the only way we'll ever see. But I keep waiting for that glorious morning when your new, new world is Be in that number, Lord. I want to be in that number, Lord. I want to be.
wanna be. Please, I wanna be. I wanna be in that number with your saints on the jubilant version of When the Saints Go Marching In. This is The Antidote, which airs through the facilities of Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, CFFF, Peterborough. I haven't had enough of the music of Shaw Michelle, and I hope you haven't either, because next week is round two of our discussion with this artist. So tune in next Wednesday to find out what is Shaw Michelle's chief physical characteristic, what drew him to record his latest album, Electric Delta, and what is incredible about Sean Michel. Let's finish up tonight's episode with more of our talk with Sean and the song, I Want to Be More Like Jesus, and we'll see you next week. 
I speak with a wide range of artists who share a Christian faith, but Sean, your music is particularly Christ-centered. I guess my question is, are you a preacher or are you a musician? Yes. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah, man. I mean, we don't label our music Christian, although it's blatantly, as far as like lyrical content, um, it's heavily focused on Jesus and uh, but honestly, the way we present it and the way we, we write the songs, it's heavily gospel. You know, we, we like to call it gospel rock and roll or gospel blues because honestly, in the truest form, that's it's more that than Christian. And these days when you say Christian music, it just brings up all these, you know, images in people's minds, you know what I'm saying? And so you have to kind of be delicate with what you call yourself. And not to say that we're ashamed of it that way and we don't want to be called that. It's just, I feel like, you know, saying that our music is gospel rock and roll is a lot more accurate to the roots that we come from, which is all gospel stuff uh, from back in the 30s and 40s and, and on up. And most of that being gospel blues. I mean, anyway, yeah, we're connected more with gospel. As far as am I a preacher or a musician, you know, I feel like every artist if they're real with their audience, they're trying to convey who they are from the inside out. And uh, so I just try to put down in a song what is coming from the inside of me. And and that's usually always rooted in my relationship with Jesus and with God. And whether it's, you know, the happy times or the times where I'm struggling with a lot of crap or I'm I'm struggling with my own demons. And uh, a lot of times that can preach to people you know, or to encourage them or challenge them or whatever. And so I'm just trying to be true to who I am and what I'm going through. And, you know, I let the songs kind of do the rest of the work for other people. To follow up on that, then what type of venues are you playing at? You do in the bar scene, you do church festivals or how, what yes. do you cover? Yes. <laughs> All of this. The whole bit. Man, yeah. We, uh, I think the only place we haven't played is a gas station bathroom. Uh, other than that, I mean, I've played, I mean, everywhere, man. We we play a lot of bars. We play a lot of clubs and venues. We play a lot of, you know, Christian festivals. We haven't really been able to break out into, you know, any kind of mainstream, quote-unquote, secular. I, I hate using the phrase Christian and secular. I, I just, why can't we just call it a music festival, you know? And it's not just Christians doing that. It's it's people in the secular realms or whatever doing that. And they've been doing that for years. And to me, I'm just like, it's stupid. If it's good music and if it's good art, you like it either way, man. I mean, I'm a believer. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. But I love a good Black Sabbath record. You know, I love ACDC. <laughs> you know, those dudes were making killer tunes, man. And I respect their art form and the way they went about things and the way that they recorded things. And and you learn from those things. And I also love a lot of gospel and older Christian records. Um, You know, and to me, I don't care. You know, I don't care if it was Christian or secular. I mean, stop putting up those labels. And I think labels hinder all of us from uh, truly being able to experience, you know, what the artist is trying to convey. That's where sometimes I have qualms about even doing this program because I'm sort of perpetuating all of that too. Well, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes that's good though because I think there's people out there that need to be a part of culture that is clearing up misconceptions. 
And a lot of times that's what we do, man. When we go and play these bars or whatever, a lot of what we're doing, man, is clearing up misconceptions. You know, people have these images of who they think Jesus is or who they think a Christian is. And a lot of those are kind of justified, honestly, man, from past experiences that they've had. And a lot of those are negative. And that's, that's a shame that the church, we have done that. But, you know, we go into a place and we try to rock out with everything that we have. And we, we let everything out on the stage, man. And uh, no holds bars. And just people connect with that, man. And they, they might not be believers. I, I had a friend who had, she had a friend in the audience and who was a really talented musician but he was a great songwriter, great musician. And he came to one of our uh, album release shows for Electric Delta, which was a follow-up to Back to Delta. So he looked at her and was like, eh, these dudes are Christians? And she was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, man, I don't believe in that, but I believe they believe it. And that was, you know, just a little way to maybe help people understand that, like, Christians don't all look like this one bad experience you had. Um, or Jesus doesn't look like this guy that may have abused you when you were a kid. And call themselves a Christian, you know, and maybe this program can help with that in the area of music to help people who aren't uh, necessarily Christians. It might help them feel like, yeah, I could actually listen to this music. <laughs> it's good music, you know. I want to be more and more like my Jesus. I want to be more and more just like him I want to be more and more like my Jesus I want to be more and more like him And I want to be humble, humble like my Jesus I want to be humble, humble just like him I want to be humble Till then, I don't want to be more and more like my Jesus. I want to be more, so much more like Him. Oh, yeah, I want to be more and more like my Jesus. I want to be more, so much more like Him. G. 
Just like him. 